If you're just joining us, this is the third podcast in a series of installments and podcasts about the legal implications of using wearable and invasive computer brain interface technology. Our previous podcasts discussed the current state of this technology and how this technology may advance in the future. This week, we discuss the legal implications of using this technology in the workplace from a larger discrimination perspective, considering laws like Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Age Discrimination in Employment Act, and how those laws or similar laws may evolve in the future to respond to this technology if used in the workplace. I'm Christina Jurimus, and this is Future Employer. Christopher DeGroth is a partner at Seifarth Shaw. Chris is Seifarth's co-chair of the firm's Complex Discrimination Litigation Practice Group. He focuses on class cases as well as single claimant cases. Chris was the lead counsel on the country's largest age discrimination case brought by the EEOC. He has posted trial wins in thorny, multi-claimant, sex discrimination, and harassment claims and he's go-to counsel for class litigation for employers in virtually every industry across the United States. Hi, Chris. Thank you for joining us. Hi. Really glad to be here. It's a fascinating topic. I'm looking forward to discussing it. You've listened to our podcast with neuroscientist Graham Moffat about computer implant technology and how in the future this technology could enhance human cognition. We'd like to talk today about the potential for this technology to create challenges for employers in the workplace. So if people are able to choose to implant a chip in their brains to enhance cognition and performance, what issues do you see in the workplace for employers? Right, well, let's, let's start with applying today's legal mechanics to the technology that is going to be happening 30 years from now. I would say that's a big if one looks back 30 years at the legal landscape and how much it's changed. But for now, we'll just start with the idea that the laws um, that we're talking about are the ones that are in place now. So with the chip technology, I see a couple of different theories being involved. The first is the concept of disparate treatment. That's intentional discrimination. It's what most people think of when they hear about discrimination. Now, for an employer to discriminate against somebody on a protected class, they need to know that they're in that protected group. The sort of chip technology that we're discussing may contain some data or demographic data gathering capabilities to do some baseline functioning. This has actually become a source of debate in the days of COVID. Pulse ox monitors, for example, uh, could be impacted by skin color and failing to calibrate it for certain demographics means that the equipment doesn't work properly. So when you're talking about chip technology that's orders of magnitude more complex, I would fully expect that there would need to be some consideration for the biology of the user. Um, and that's likely to include demographics. So now you have this chip that's used to interface perhaps with the employer systems. That demographic data could then be shared with the employer, which is a really long way of saying that employers could now have access to demographic data and employees could say that certain adverse employment actions were being taken based on the employer's knowledge of their protected class like race uh, age ethnicity that sort of thing also see a similar argument with genetic information with gina Um, gina prohibits making employment decisions based on 
someone else's genetic makeup, chip technology could pass along that genetic profile. So I see the awareness of protected classes as being the major area of vulnerability with the chip technology. And that's, so that's disparate treatment. That's your, your traditional style discrimination case. But there's also a less well-known area, which is disparate impact. And disparate impact is where you have what appears to be a facially neutral policy, but it impacts a protected group more harshly than others. So let's assume that we have an employer that requires this tech for some positions. And I know I think we're going to talk a little bit more about that later. And let's say that there's a segment of the workforce that's less willing or less able to be implanted based you know, older versus younger, perhaps certain religious prohibitions, uh, you name it. Now we have a facially neutral policy, the chip requirement, that would have a disproportionate impact on protected classifications, which could, you know, there are defenses to disparate impact theory that could take away some of that vulnerability, but we do have at least that theory out there. And of course, there could be new protected classes, which we can talk about also. So this all assumes that we're applying the same laws that we have now in the future that we have today. And I'm assuming that's unlikely to be the case. So are you aware of any current laws? Let's start with, are there any current laws that even protect against discrimination based on this kind of technology? Yeah, I, I think that's an important point because the law is always evolving. And in this case, I think it's going to involve an evolution to surround this chip technology. I haven't seen any state or local statutes, certainly not federal statute, that prohibits any sort of chip-based discrimination. But there are some glimmers, some predicate uh, statutes out there. I know that states, including California, Colorado, there's actually a list of them, Florida, Georgia, Missouri, North Dakota, Ohio, Oklahoma, and Wisconsin, all of those have adopted laws addressing human microchip implantation. And California and Missouri actually specifically address that chip technology in the employment context. So I know we don't yet have computer implant technology being implanted into human brains for the purposes of achieving superhuman cognition. So what would these, what are these existing laws even geared towards? So certain microchip implants can actually be very helpful. Obviously, uh, that's the whole genesis of, of the technology. Um, for example, for a person with a disability who might have trouble opening a door or starting a car in the traditional way, these implants exist right now to allow people to trigger those mechanisms or log into a computer, that sort of thing. The state laws that we're seeing now ensure that employers cannot require all of their employees to receive an implant versus, for example, using physical keys or pass cards or something, uh, some other traditional gatekeeping measure. So you mentioned California, and I know that's a state that often has very expansive laws. What does its law currently cover? Right. Well, leave it to California to be the incubator of a tech issue here. And they are cutting edge, to be sure. I'm not going to read the whole California code, but it basically says you cannot condition employment on a requirement to implant a device capable of transmitting personal information. So is it even clear that this law would apply to these kind of brain implants that we were discussing earlier that would improve human cognition? That is not clear. 
the law doesn't specifically address it. Um, it does call out implants that are, and I'm going to quote here, quote, passively or actively capable of transmitting personal information, including but not limited to devices using radio frequency technology, unquote. So it wouldn't address an implant chip per se, but if that chip interacts with other devices, which would seem to be a logical part of the of the technology, I think it could conceivably be covered by the California existing law. So Chris, I know in your practice, you work a lot with claims arising out of Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Could you envision Title VII being expanded to cover issues related to these implants? And can you explain the purpose of Title VII and the protections it provides and what implications this technology might have on that law? Sure. So my knee-jerk reaction is to say no, but that's probably because my 2021 sensibilities are showing through. And Title VII has been shown to be extremely flexible. Title VII is one of the main federal anti-discrimination statute and prohibits discrimination based on all sorts of protected classifications like race, color, religion, sex, and national origin, and now has been expanded to cover sexual orientation and gender identity in certain instances. So now consider what was a protected class, say 30 years ago, instead of 30 years in the future, even as recently as 32 years ago, disability status wasn't protected under the ADA. Sexual orientation protections is a shockingly recent development. So could non-chip status be protected at some point? I, I think that's that's possible. If there was enough backlash to the idea that those with implants are getting a leg up, there could be enough political popularity to include non-chip status in, into a statute or as a standalone statute by itself. Let me throw out there uh, another way that chip technology might actually shrink EEO protections. So we have the ADEA, the statute that protects against age discrimination, and the protected class for that is anyone 40 or over. But with the population working later and later into their lives because they're more and more capable of doing so, what is this chip technology going to do with that workforce. It could actually reverse the age-related effects of cognitive functioning um, that we all know have some certain level of impairment as you get older, at least on a person-by-person -person basis. So one could argue with a straight face that the protected class under the ADEA shouldn't be 40, but rather should be 50 or even 60. This isn't science fiction. There's already arguments Today, that date should be moved back. And another thought along those same lines is now, if you have that many more people able to work later in lives, will there be an oversaturation of the workforce? Will we have too many workers in too few of jobs? So that could result in forced retirements or anything of that nature. So, which again could create issues under the EEO laws. Let's get sci fi. Imagine that while an employee is at work, their thoughts are recorded, uploaded, saved on a cloud. Could thoughts associated with promotion or hiring decisions, termination decisions, or other employment actions be discoverable in a discrimination lawsuit or subject to a subpoena, assuming that this scenario could ever actually exist? That's really looking through the looking glass a bit, but I, I suspect 
that the disclosure of thoughts and motivations and feelings as part of litigation would be full of challenges and issues. If I could somehow seek that information today, I suspect it would be subject to any number of privileges that go back hundreds of years, spousal privilege, attorney-client, physician privileges, that sort of thing. And if this sort of technology advances to the degree that we're hypothesizing, then I would fully expect that there's going to be additional privileges that would evolve around thought protection. All reminds me a little bit of that movie Minority Report where they were prosecuting folks for future crimes or what they thought about in terms of their crimes. And I just don't see a future where employers are permitted to, first of all, record their employees' private thoughts. And even if they have access to that, they could go with a adverse employment action based on those thoughts. But with all of this, I, I think future generations will be amused by how limited our thinking is right now. I think my grandchildren would, if they ever heard this someday, would laugh about this the way we look back and laugh at the folks that were first talking about the World Wide Web and whether that would ever catch on, that sort of thing. So the law is always playing catch up to technology. So this will be certainly an interesting area to watch. We'll only know. We'll only see what the future holds <laughs> when it happens. Chris, thank you for your time. Thank you. In our next podcast, join us for a discussion from a disability discrimination law perspective about the implications of using this technology in the workplace.